0: How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, of the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Of course, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app from iTunes to Spotify, whatever keeps you going. We keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is our Tech Central Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. Uh, Niall, this weekend, a very, very big weekend for you. Uh, It is,
1: yes. This is a weekend where Mrs Kitson finally gets some time to herself. Um, Yeah, I'm going to Worldcon. Now, for the uninitiated, what exactly is Worldcon? Worldcon is an annual science fiction convention uh, that as the title suggests, uh, is a, a global gathering and some 7,000 people are going to be uh, strung between the Convention Centre and the Point Village uh, in Dublin for, the, for uh, five days, engaging in workshops, panel discussions and general chicanery with uh, each other and some very interesting uh, writers in science fiction.
0: Now, I've never been to one of these, so yep. uh, describe to me what kind of panel does, no, describe to me what kind of a workshop uh, okay, Yep. Yeah. Uh, one
1: that uh, I've... Have I signed up to it yet? No. One is on sort of learning how to read in public. That's that's kind of nice. Uh, one is... Learning see,
0: how to read in public? Yeah. As in to stand up project, and say... Stand
1: up, project your voice, making eye contact or not making eye contact. What, is, out what the has this the got room, to do with science
0: fiction? Because there's an awful lot
1: of writers going to be there and this is the sort of skill they're going to need. You see, that's why you're the editor-in-chief You see, I know it's... I'm just the radio presenter. It's an alien concept to us, what, talk at each other the whole time. Yeah, sure, we can talk. Yeah. (laughs) What what kind of seminar? Surely there's a science fiction related seminar. Oh my goodness, yes, and how. Um, There's a good few I'm looking forward to, actually. One is, uh, I mean, one, there's 600 going on over five days um I, w- I will be looking forward to uh, a panel involving Pat Cadigan who is the queen of cyberpunk uh, absolutely fantastic right right thoroughly recommend reading sinners uh, if you haven't already um then uh, charles charlie Strauss will charlie charlie Strass will be around um john uh, haldeman um joe haldeman john Scalzi... And one George R. R. Martin that you might have heard of. Um, His name may have winged its way past my consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And there will be a certain throne there as well that I'm sure everybody will be wanting to have their picture taken
0: with. Okay, great. Well, we will see you in that throne uh, on the website, Nadette. Hmm. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Ha <laughs> 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 You're going to get it done and framed. You know you will. Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so listen. In the news this week, uh, in uh, tech news, we have another major data breach this week. Who was it?
1: Yeah, plus sans change. I mean, when when we sat down to go right, what has happened this week? What's new and exciting? We go. Oh, it's the same stuff. What are people not learning? Like, is this is this a? Failing in the technology sector. I uh, think uh, the answer to your
0: question is in the first word, people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, people are always the problem. But there always seems to be, you know, the solution is we'll come up with a better system or another policy. That's what Facebook say. That's what they all say.
0: All right. Okay. It's uh, never it's uh, it never like, it, yeah, it's, ne- it's never um, like we'll actually do something. Tell me two things. Number one, tell me what was the data breach and what did they get? Yeah.
1: Okay. This is a company called Biostar. Uh, which I gather is headquartered in South Korea. Is that right? Uh, and this is to do with their UK operation, uh, where they suffered a data breach where I think we're, we're well into the millions, aren't we? Are we like 22 million pieces of data ranging from fingerprints to other sort of regular user data, you know, usernames and passwords, but also facial recognition data.
0: And not only the facial recognition data and the fingerprints of your biometrics, but also your username and your password. Yeah, all the usual suspects. How big did you make a note of? How big was the uh, the actual amount of data that was downloaded in gigabytes? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I can't remember. Twenty three gigs. 23 gigs. Mm -hmm. That's it. the only reason I'm saying that is because I had to transfer some stuff uh, via Dropbox the other day and it was 30 gigs and it took like, I can't remember an hour or something like that. It wasn't too long. Wow. Uh, And I was kind of going, oh my God. Oh my God. Like, do you know what I mean? Like 30 gigs these days is not a huge amount of data. Yeah. And in that 30 gigs or 23 gigs or whatever it was they got, they got biometric information, (sighs) facial uh, recognition, usernames, passwords of millions mm. of people. That's scary. That's scary because we get
1: so, so hung up on how much uh, storage that we have. You know, like when we we're going to buy a PC, it's one of the first things we look at. Oh, does it have a terabyte drive? Oh, I'm not terribly interested if it doesn't. Years ago, actually, when, when I was editor of PC Live, there was a story about YouTube broke and it was... I think it was related to one of the copyright cases and um, YouTube basically had to open up its database for inspection. And I got a press release from a company that's that's specialised in uh, hard drives, portable hard drives. And uh, the tone of it was, do you know what? They have an awful lot of data, but if they had one of our hard drives, it could fit into this teeny tiny little box. (laughs) I was like, "That What? That that's not that's not a good story for you guys.
0: <laughs> Listen, we see it all the time. You just have to look back ten or twenty years, and then they showing the the classic one with the the moon landing anniversary. Oh yes, yes. The, and they said you know kind of the, the computer that you walk around with in your smartphone is a thousand times more powerful than the one that brought men to the moon. So yes, uh, yeah. so it is. But the uh, the facial recognition, I think that I think that's starting to get into very dangerous territory, if people are able to take your um, – I, I, of course, I'm immediately thinking of Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and Simon Pegg is going, oh, no, Tom, you don't need to look into the camera. Let me just plug my little USB drive in here <laughs> and yeah. make the computer think it's looking at somebody else. Yeah. Ooh, the door's open, that kind of stuff. Um, but facial recognition, I think, is becoming more and more of a thing. I, I've seen more of it in the, uh, in the news lately, and the most recent one was in London. Uh, And it's like a bank who owns a a serious amount of land. It's like a couple of hectares or whatever in in London. And they want their cameras to be Facebook or to be facial uh, recognition enabled so that anybody is walking through the area. And I just thought the point that was made in the article was very interesting. At the moment, we're used to I can opt in or Mm. I can opt out or there's some kind of a choice or whatever. But when you are walking down the street in London and there's a camera looking at you, facial recognition, and... I've also paired that with a demonstration I have seen by an unnamed Israeli company, because they didn't want to promote themselves, but they showed me what they can do. Right. Scary as hell. I mean, they had uh, an example of people entering a football ground to, uh, to watch a game. So mm-hmm. there's like, you know, 50,000 people coming through. And, blah, 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 and they were able to say, OK, we'll keep an eye on him. OK. And then 20 yeah. minutes later, they're going to say, where is he in the stand? With camera's... Zzz, thump, there he is.
1: Yeah. And if you enter, uh, say, sports, if it's a ticketed event, right, they can put in the terms and conditions if you want to go to this... They do that. You go to a concert. To
0: you go to a concert and the media automatically says, any concert will say you agree to be in any video or audio recording. Anyways, that's mm. all uh, interesting. Listen, we've got we've got a lot to get through and um, uh, only two minutes left, would you believe, already. Okay, right. <laughs> so pick, listen, let's just, one do, thing. let's just do the other story, which is kind of, I suppose, facial recognition uh, is Facebook.
1: Yeah, Facebook. Oh, guess what?
0: Yeah, guess who's been listening into your calls again? <sighs> Do you know, we've so Facebook have been listening to messenger conversations. Okay, okay. Right. Let's, almost, let's be clear, not Facebook. Oh, third-party contractors. God, it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> we've had this story, and explain this to me. We've had this story with Amazon Alexa. Yeah. We've had this story with Google. Yeah. And you kind of understand that because you are communicating with, you know, a, a, an allegedly smart speaker, mm. all right, yeah. and it's an automated service. Mm. Messengers not automated, no nope. messengers is where you make calls and you do text messages between two human beings. Mm-hmm. Why would they be listening? yeah,
1: yeah, and it's it's one of these things that if somebody gets nabbed, that's uh you know plotting a terrorist attack. oh, Facebook messenger isn't it great that they're all looking out for us, whereas the rest of
0: the time it's just pure surveillance capitalism, so basically, uh, what you're saying is that it's it's like wiretapping every conversation, yeah. In the world, at the same time. Ooh, wow. Okay, yeah, I don't like that story. <laughs> I, I like it even less. Right, yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't like that story. And what a story to end the news on. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you, Niall. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Now, when it comes to tech companies, you will be forgiven for thinking that it's all Dublin, Dublin, Dublin. But there is a tonne of stuff happening all across the country, with many towns, north, south and west, now becoming tech hubs. During the week, Niall chatted with Ogi Sheehy, who is founder and CEO of iClarity, to find out more about the tech hub in Tralee, in Kerry, and how that's going.
1: Ogi, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about Viclarity and uh, what what you're doing in Chile at the moment.
2: Well, um, Nile, Viclarity is a software company and we specialize in providing technology to help companies with the areas of audit, risk and compliance. And that's a complex world in itself. Um, a lot of it is, is regulatory compliance, where you'd have state regulators um, who will govern different types of institutions. So we basically provide a technology solution to help firms both in the financial services side, such as credit unions, banks, asset management and investment management firms to comply with those regulations. And also we do it on the healthcare side. So we provide a suite of tools for nursing homes, hospitals, intellectual disabilities, and, and so on. And I guess our core objective is is really to work with people who have that burden of compliance who currently today are trying to manage that with manual processes excel spreadsheets um, and give them a tool which is relatively easy to implement quite easy to use and can provide them with you know the the proper types of outputs and reports that would be would be needed um, by by regulators
1: yeah it sounds like your product requires an awful lot of agility when it comes to changing standards. So how does that um how does that facility be engaged uh, or integrated in into the product?
2: Yeah, it's it's a great question actually and I, I suppose we do a number of things. We work with a number of industry um specific partners who would provide that specific content if it's for regulatory compliance in particular, and they would be responsible, I guess, for the updating of the regulations or of the maybe the definition of the compliance criteria that would fall out under a specific piece of regulation. The updating piece is relatively, from a technology perspective, is, is relatively straightforward. Um, but by working with partners, we kind of keep abreast of those changes and push those changes out um, to our different uh, different clients. The other side of our client base would be where people already have internal expertise who understand that regulation and how the regulation would apply to their businesses. Um, And we would simply provide them with the technology to move them away from an Excel spreadsheet um, and allow them to self-manage. And I suppose one of the key differentiators, now is that the the ease of use in terms of what we provide allows somebody who's a healthcare professional or a chief risk officer to basically use the tool um, as they see fit internally and don't continuously need to come back to us for all those updates that they see happening all the time.
1: Yeah, because I think Excel is, it's so ubiquitous when it comes to this uh, this field, and I guess fields across the board when it, when it comes to management, that uh, do you find that when it comes to the user experience, um, you're really kind of starting with the conventional spreadsheet and moving out as opposed to going, look, we've, we've reinvented the wheel or, or, you know, we've created a, a, an interesting product from scratch, give it a go, it will make your life easier yet it might look completely alien
2: yeah it's a great question actually and and one of the things that that we we typically don't do is to try and reinvent the wheel um i think what we do is is very clever and and you're absolutely right a word i would use to describe it is agile um but we have seen some of the most complex excel spreadsheets that you wouldn't believe can exist and what invariably will happen is somebody internally will decide, wouldn't it be great to build a spreadsheet and it grows legs and arms and ears and eyes over <laughs> years. And before they know it, the, the, the first of all, they're heavily dependent upon that spreadsheet to actually run their business. But more importantly, some of the spreadsheets can be so complex that they themselves don't even understand what it's doing and what it's producing. So I guess a big piece of what we do is we work with clients to help them to peel that back and peel back the layers. And we'll ask some you know, some interesting and relevant questions around, you know, why are you asking that question? Why are you asking it in that particular way? And we're helping people to actually make sense of their own internal data. And then we're transposing that into a more simplified user-friendly tool to help them produce reports and all that other stuff you know
1: and are you finding that companies uh, when you work with them you go they say well we've always we've always asked this question uh without being able to justify it is this a a very common problem
2: it is it is unfortunately and i guess what we see is some of the bigger organizations even can have these very complex spreadsheets and i think where there's an appetite and a culture where people are willing to to, to want to learn from what we have done with others and learn from our experience and, and actually have the, the, the value add of us coming in, asking them some, some hard questions about their own processes, that can often be a significant piece of the value up front we will bring before bringing any technology to the table by peeling back what they're currently doing and try to help them you know, decipher what's right and what's wrong. So I think where there's an appetite, Niall, it can be a very powerful process, actually.
1: I think there's a really interesting angle here when it comes to data protection as well, because effectively speaking, you could have companies gathering an awful lot of information about people or processes that they really don't need to have. So an auditor could potentially come in and go, you know what, You, you are actually in breach of GDPR here because you have all this information that could be used for something, but you didn't need it in the first place.
2: Absolutely. And again, it, like without repeating myself, a lot of the time people will do it because it's always been done this way. And, and I think where you can strip all that back and what I always say to people is collect minimum information that you require to give you the maximum output that you need. So work on what do you need to get out and then what's the minimum amount of data required on the input side to give you that output? and it's all that kind of and people often you know ask are we consultants in healthcare and how can you possibly be in healthcare and financial services and the answer is you know we're data specialists so we specialize in architecting and helping companies to architect their data in the most appropriate way to help them comply with their regulatory obligations
1: I think you've opened up an interesting door for our conversation there. When you're talking about seeing yourselves not so much as a a fintech company, as a data company, uh, people would naturally go, well, you're a fintech company. Why aren't you based up in the IFSC? Do you think your location there in Tralee comes with a a certain... kind of uh, a mental facility that people will look at what you do and go, do, do you know what, it's not going to be uh, something for the banks, it's going to be something a bit more relevant to a smaller operation. Do you think that per- that perception exists?
2: Do you know, and I, I don't. Um, I, I think there's definitely some challenges um, that we face being here in the beautiful Kerry. But, you know, notwithstanding that, you know, we've managed to go and, and grow a global business with users in many, many countries globally with some very big names, both in the financial and healthcare side. Um, so I don't think that's a perception that people have based on our geographical location. Um, But I think it's definitely interesting when you look back on the journey of vitality and and where it has come from. You know, you sit here in a kind of a small entrepreneurial hub and, and, you know, you think, you know, there are challenges ahead in trying to grow a business. But when you see that success then coming in, it really becomes neutralized in relation to where you're based. Because I suppose, as you know, you know, cloud based companies can really uh, operate out of anywhere. So it's about the quality of service that you can provide and how you can compete with some of the bigger companies who might be based in, you know, some of the more renowned locations when it comes to this type of a service.
1: I think this is something that we're seeing pop up uh, across Ireland, really, where you're seeing more and more of these hubs where you've got small companies or or companies on the grow um, doing an awful lot of international work uh, based on very good broadband connectivity. Do you think that's the primary um, barrier to uh, to business at the moment, is it getting better?
2: It is. It is definitely getting better, and I see. And um, just taking my own local area here, and um, we're obviously offices based in Tralee and living in North Kerry. The the services are definitely getting better. I think the acknowledgement that there's now a requirement for for stable high speed broadband in rural areas is 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 definitely something that's 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 topical, and um, but. Again, I suppose I wouldn't be one to say that it's ever been a barrier for me. I mean, you know, within 20 minutes of where I live, you get into an office, you've high speed connectivity and you've access to people, you've access to uh, other entrepreneurial companies. In fact, some very successful global entrepreneurial companies. Um, And I think it's the community base that we have here that. It, that definitely helps, and, and I know we'll get onto that in a while. But I don't see broadband connectivity being a challenge for me right now, and that's a personal opinion, um, because I think we, we have access to it when we need it.
1: And do you think this is um, because the telcos are seeing kind of a a responsibility in a sense to support small business that they are identifying parts of the country where they're seeing you know potential digital hubs springing up and deciding okay here's somewhere that you know really we should be servicing both on a commercial level but also on a almost a a social responsibility level as well.
2: I I think so I I think there's definitely a recognition of that and I know the national broadband plan and the rollout and that whole thing is again I I don't disagree with it, but I think there's hubs, as you mentioned, that have popped up. And I think if you can be in an environment where, you know, within 20 minutes, half an hour of where you live, that you can get access to that kind of connectivity, then I think that's important. And I do believe that, you know, in areas like we're in at the minute, you know, there's a pretty good service. I mean, there's a number of locations here in the the greater Tralee area. Um, and actually even in the stall where I know you can set up a business, you can get access to office space and um, you can get access to, you know, a boardroom type environment um, and you've got connectivity. So I, I think the main hub areas are springing up and they are in, in a position where they can provide the relevant services to companies to at least get them up and off the ground.
1: Uh, so, when we were talking about uh, the value of these hubs, that uh, granted, yes, telcos do see the value. At a human level, do you think there's a, a particular quality or a particular value to Tralee as a, as a hub, uh, as opposed to you know, Dublin or Cork?
2: Well, absolutely. Look, uh, I suppose uh, born and reared in the greater tralee area, um, being an R. Kerry man myself, um, went to college here in Tralee and graduated and, and basically left Kerry um, and spent 15, 16 years kind of traveling between living in Dublin, living in the U.S. Um, and traveling the world with some, you know, some big companies like IBM and Hewlett-Packard and great experience. But I suppose to be able to come back and set up a company um, in a hub like Tralee and, of course, to be home and to be doing it at home is something I'm very passionate about. But I think the I wouldn't do it if the barriers were too high um, or if the infrastructure wasn't there to do that. But I think definitely to to come back to Chile, Chile is a fabulous town. you got Farron Four Airport with a daily commuter flight to Dublin. Um, I live about an hour and ten minutes from Shannon Airport, where you can get international direct international flights to the US and to the UK. Again, with a commuter flight to London daily, so you know you can get out and back to London from where I live in the morning, and I and I do it quite regularly actually. And um, fly out on the on the seven thirty flight in the morning and back at home, sitting down having a cup of tea at ten o'clock that night, having had three possibly four meetings in central London. So. I think where, of course, in some people's minds, there will be challenges. Um, I think the benefit of just being able to get in the car, drive to Shannon Airport, get on a flight to London, be back at home on the same day with the kids, it, it, for me, it's it's the ultimate, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that that same day, um, mobility, it's once you get that into people's heads that, you know, you don't have to be in uh, one of the urban centres to make that sort of trip or to make that level of mobility happen. I think I think that's a huge um, mindset switch. Uh, another mindset switch is uh, people would be wondering to which extent has, you know, the sciences and technology taken hold um, in Tralee and you're involved in Kerry SciTech as well. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so Kerry SciTech is, is set up by a number of companies uh, based in the Chile area who all, I guess, aspire for the, the same kind of outcomes. Um, and that's to promote STEM, which is the science and technology um, within kind of the county. And um, it's, I suppose, my offices are based in the Tom Green Center here on the grounds of the um, of the IT in Chile. And it's a it's a combination of the IT working with local businesses, um, I suppose, to to number one, to feed back to the colleges, you know, what the requirements are for companies, what people need, uh, what skill sets are required. Um, but number two, I suppose, it's to work collectively as a group of companies, everything from a two man to a you know, big company like, uh, like Dairy Master, Edmund Harty and, and, and such, to be able to have access to the right skills and the right people from either the diaspora overseas, or to, you know, people that may have graduated like I did from college in Chile and moved to Dublin who may be interested in some technology jobs, you know, down south at home. I uh, want to move back home, whether it's to look after an elderly relative or or just to come home. I mean, a lot of people genuinely just want to leave and work at home. So, I mean, Kerry Saitik has done a tremendous job at pulling all that together. Um, And I think it's great to have a kind of an organization that are focusing specifically on that because people are busy and people have day jobs and, you know, you get in to maybe a a one hour meeting and everyone talks wonderful things. But the reality is when you walk out the door, you get back into your, your daily routine. And sometimes these things are forgotten about. So I think Kerry Sightech are there specifically to drive the momentum, to promote Kerry, to promote um, jobs here, to promote the companies that are here. Um, and I think it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful vehicle um, to be involved with.
1: One of the things that we do hear an awful lot of is, is the so-called talent vacuum, if you will, that, you know, that we're not producing enough STEM graduates to fill the jobs that we have. And I guess this implies that school leavers kind of have a they can pick and cho- choose wherever they want to live and work. Do you think it will get to the stage where people will go, do you know what, I'm, I'm actually quite happy in Tralee where I am. I, I don't have to go to London. I don't have to go to Dublin.
2: I, you know, I think there's a, there's a split thought on that, Niall, to be honest. I think you will have some of the younger generation might think, wouldn't it be wonderful to work for Google and, you know, drive a bike around Dublin City and be part of the the cool hub in Dublin and, and may want to come back after a number of years And then I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity, which I never had when I graduated and that you can offer people genuinely interesting jobs and interesting careers, not just jobs. But there's actually careers available for people now here in Kerry who can grow up in Kerry, live in Kerry and very importantly, after yesterday in Crow Park, play football in Kerry. Um, Had to get that in. But, you know, I I think genuinely to have that opportunity for people who can make that choice and decide, well, you know what? Not only have I London and Dublin as options, but I've actually also got Kerry. I can can stay home and get a good job and a good career um, and grow a career here.
1: And potentially, if you're a startup, you have the option of getting maybe a little bit more attention there. Maybe one of the big cities where where you could potentially get lost in the shuffle.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And here, again, you know, as I mentioned previously, there's some very successful companies and entrepreneurs here. And through Kerry Sightech and other forums, you know, we're a small community of people. And and I look back and, you know, I get involved in the New Frontiers program. And, you know, sometimes I give talks and, and guest lectures in the college. And I suppose if there's anything that I can do that can help others, um, you know, get to an end goal quicker by talking to me. If I've you know struggled on how to sell into the US environment or how to set up a bank account in the US, then you can pass that on. Then I think it's it's an invaluable community of people in the area that you can leverage from, um, and I think that's a great benefit to have. And,
0: and that can sometimes be a bit more difficult to get in the bigger cities and that was Niall Kitchen chatting with Ogi Sheehy founder and CEO of ViClarity in Tralee in Kerry that's our show for this week remember you can get the lowdown on that and all the stories we talked about and all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie and of course remember to listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio Next on next weekend from myself Dusty and from Nile, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend get tech radio